0: Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey, and in today's episode, I'll be getting to know Olivia James, who is a Harley Street performance coach and therapist. She treats public speaking anxiety and confidence issues, which are both great topics for our podcast audience in particular. So, Olivia, hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode.
1: Hello, Tom. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Me too. I can't wait to find out more about you and what you do. But just out of interest, whereabouts are you based right now?
1: Uh, I'm based in London Mm -hmm. and my practice is in Harley Street in central
0: London. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I just want to just share one last thing about you before we do get started. So Olivia's clients typically include entrepreneurs, senior leaders, philanthropists, and public figures. And after treatment, her clients have delivered successful keynotes, pitches, TEDx talks, and also TV appearances. So all of this sounds incredible. I can't wait to find out more. But my first question is, how did you get into this field? And has it got anything to do with your personal experience of public speaking? Uh,
1: yes. Uh, so I basically, I've been a therapist since like the mid-90s. And I started working with people, uh, mainly on a on physical level. And then soon realized that psychology and physiology are very much related. Um I started to get referrals for a uh, public speaking uh, confidence and anxiety, and I realized I was really good at it. And then like the kind of the word grew. So I started to add more techniques to help me sort of attack the anxiety and treat it from like different angles, mm-hmm. basically, so I can create like a perfect recipe uh, treatment plan for each client. Um, so in terms of my own speaking, um, never really had a problem public speaking I mean I speak at like Mm -hmm. conferences and you know I speak at like online as well as on real stages since the pandemic I've stood on a couple of real stages right um but I did have one incident of uh public speaking anxiety which really really made me realize how bad it can feel feel it's utterly visceral when you have it yeah it's just you just wanted to stop um I did a, I was invited to do a competition for uh, the Professional Speaking Association. And so, and it seemed like a really good idea at the time. Mm -hmm. So I signed up and then about two weeks beforehand, I started to get the fear and I was thinking, I can't do this. And it was like, it was so irrational, but it was so strong. And I, I called the organizer and tried to persuade him that I didn't quite qualify under the rules. And then I thought, this is ridiculous. Like, this is what I help people with. So in fact, like, I I, I talked about this um, and I I sort of treated myself. It's like physician, heal thyself, you know. So I, I've had an experience of what it feels like. and. Right. So it, it means that I'm not one of these like, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not one of these like ivory tower type people that looks down and says, "Oh well, you just have to do this." I felt it; it's absolutely yeah. dreadful.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's that's really important, and I think um, we spoke just before this. I probably could have been, and still can be, your ideal client because. I had that fear of speaking I had social anxiety and it was horrible you know my my whole body physiology the, the the bright red face the shaking the sweating all of that and and I just avoided it at all costs for probably about the first 30 years of my life and so yeah I completely understand that that feeling definitely
1: definitely and of course like avo- avoidance uh, is most people's coping strategy yeah. uh and it, but it can kind of it, it starts to build up because you kind of know that you the rational part of you thinks okay i need to do this for my career or for my mission for my charity whatever it might be mm-hmm. but that you the fear part of you tends to take over um and of course the more stress we get we can get into this later like The more stressed you get, the less likely your brain is to work work. and your, your, you know, your prefrontal cortex will kind of won't get enough blood and you make mistakes and you stumble and you fumble. And then it, you know, it just exacerbates the problem, basically.
0: I'd be interested to get your perspective, actually, because I've never really worked through this with um, a coach. It took me about 10 to 15 years, I'd say, to get over my fear. I did it the slow way. But looking back I think my big fear of public speaking was back in my school days um, and it was avoidance of embarrassment. I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of other people and I had some experiences at school where I did embarrass myself and the whole class laughed at me and uh, you know I I wanted to curl up and die you know under a rock I guess. So I remember when I was probably about 11 and and I, I said something stupid in class and The the school teacher called me out on it. I went bright red. She said to me, oh, we could cook an egg on your face. And it made me go even more red. And the whole class laughed at me. I think I ran out of the room. And for me, I feel like that was what then set in motion this avoidance of embarrassing myself
1: yes that sounds very familiar and thanks for sharing that like that we call that in in psychology we call that a sensitizing event Uh so that's a key moment where you your nervous system learned that this whole standing up in front of people and saying stuff isn't safe like and of course the teacher then you know making fun of your Uh reaction on top of that sort of exacerbates the problem and everyone laughing at you exacerbates the problem so those are exactly the types of incidents where an anxiety can start Mm -hmm. so in treating it there are there are ways to treat that anxiety without you having to necessarily tell me all the gory details of that moment of shame Mm -hmm. and like you know where you just want to run away and it's absolutely dreadful so there are ways of of treating that anxiety without the person having to tell me the whole right. the, the, the you know the, yeah. the the full shameful incident yeah um but 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 yeah so sometimes you you can find one specific incident where the client says to me okay I, this is the moment where it started other times it's a more of a multi-layered sort of case yeah. history so, yeah. And that's probably the same with your with yeah. you as well now before yeah. we started recording you said to me that you 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 sort of like you sort of possibly did it the wrong way
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and you want to tell tell us about that yeah it sounds interesting
0: yeah thank you so much so I guess um may have been the case for a lot of your clients as well but I guess the breaking point for me when I said to myself I can no longer avoid this was I was asked to speak at my nan's funeral um and for me I said I said no um because I was too scared of Make a mistake, embarrass himself in front of all these people. It's obviously an emotional event anyway. And, and for me, that was the point at which I said, enough is enough. I can no longer have this holding me back, both at work, but also from a personal level as well. So I went off on a journey to try and figure out how to overcome this. And yeah, my first mistake was I bought every single book on public speaking, presenting confidence. I read them all, but two years later, I still hadn't actually done any speaking. Yeah, so I, I guess is that a common... A tactic that people use which is yes
1: uh, i think uh uh in entrepreneurship we call this action baking yeah so it's like you're pretending you're doing stuff but it's all this preparing i'm not ready i'm not i need to write read another book i need to read another book mm. uh and of course like in the professional speaking association we call this flying time everybody yeah. need, you need to be able to implement it and of course then what tends to happen is with people say you do like a podcast or you do you know you speak at an event then no matter how much well you're prepared it never there's always something you wish you could have done differently and even for professional actors and speakers there are some performances that that for whatever reason they don't go as well mm. and then it's like how you handle that emotionally and psychologically do you start to beat yourself up do you, like, I, I talk to my clients a lot about sort of re-parenting themselves. It's a bit yeah. like teaching a child how to ride a bicycle. They're going to fall off and there's a part of them that's going to go, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do it. I won't do it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I like, as the parent, you have to say, come on. Let's try again. Come on, yeah. let's get back on. And as a speaker, you have to learn to do this as well. You know, and I think that's a, a big part. So you're, you're just reading the books and not implementing. It showed that, that like, on some level, you weren't quite ready. Yeah. And um and it it sounds it's it's very familiar, it's a very familiar thing. So yeah, then you have to sort of like, but well, there there's a lot of BS talked about kind of mindset and like mm. pushing yourself and whoa, all yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah. And what, what tends to happen is especially where somebody has a bit of trauma to do with public speaking, if you push yourself too much, you do an event that that you really where you're not ready it can actually be re-traumatizing it yeah. can overwhelm you even more yeah. so the idea is that you do like baby steps you know you 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 start with smaller events and you learn either by yourself or with a coach to manage those ups and downs that inevitably will happen when you get out there in the real world and start yes. speaking
0: yeah I, I love that thought of baby steps and you know i I'm not a therapist or or or, or client coach yeah. in that perspective but I do help people to overcome their fear of speaking through a different mechanism so the, th- the first thing I tend to do is, is to say you know get yourself booked onto a podcast as, as a guest and it may be my podcast or maybe somebody else's yeah. because comfort of your own home you can still practice speaking about your topic but without having to have that big audience I guess yes there, is, that, is that an example of baby steps would you say
1: yes i think so i think so uh for a lot of people it's it's like the podcast or the the panel at a conference yeah. it's something where you where it isn't just you uh with no uh, nothing to hold on to you know what i mean yeah so
0: yes yeah. yeah, so
1: an interview or a panel uh is a, is a really good way to start good and- way to start
0: and would you say, this this is a way of almost teaching your brain to say, do you know what? That wasn't so bad, actually. I didn't die. I didn't nothing, yeah. I you really got hurt. I,
1: it's, it's amazing how often a client will say to me, all right, yes, I did a podcast or I did TV, mm-hmm. but I, I really don't want to watch it back. I don't want to listen yes. to it. I like, and then we, we get together and we watch it together. And they go, wow, actually, I think I did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when you're learning to get over this fear in your head, when you've done something, your inner critic gets turned up and you go, oh, that was a total car crash. You know, I don't even want to watch it back. And of course, in order to get better, you do have to watch yourself back. And you do have to sort of watch yourself with a with a constructive criticism instead of like just destroying yourself, you know? Uh, So it's so, so often that they say to me, "I, I don't want to watch it back. or they'll send it to me and I'll watch it. And I go, oh you did really well you came That's across good. really well yeah it's like because sometimes the what how we feel inside to how we come across to other people mm-hmm. we always think we look worse you know what I mean yeah,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I, I experienced this and I guess others have as well um when we do hear ourselves back for the first time it doesn't sound like us it doesn't sound like what we think we sound like yes and, and I guess that that can also be quite a challenge for people to get definitely
1: yes yeah, so there are there are sort of physiological reasons for that because of all the bones in your head like the way that your voice sounds in your head Mm -hmm. the way that it it sounds on a speaker is different and then of course the inner critic kicks in and we might not like our voice or our accent or whatever it might be or the fact that we said um loads of times you know
0: (laughs) yeah and I think just just to build on that so we talked about some of the mistakes I made I guess on that note um I listened back to myself and I thought, I sound like I'm from Wolverhampton here and that's not how a public speaker sounds. So then I spent the next 12 months working with a vocal coach to try and make me sound like I'm from London. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, you know, I look back now and think that was a mistake because, you know, I should be authentic. I should be comfortable in my own voice or accent um, and not try and be somebody else What what's your thoughts on that
1: yes um, my uh, a, a good friend of mine also a, a speaker coach uh, likes to quote Oscar Wilde who said be yourself everybody else is already taken yes, Love that. Um, but I think for a lot of people of course we have we have some trauma about perhaps our name or our ethnicity or our accent or our class or stuff like that because so this, this can all be part of like I am not acceptable the way I am. And there's a lot of like uh positive BS talks about authenticity and vulnerability mm. and all the rest of it. Mm. But most of that takes doesn't take into account people's trauma and people having been bullied and all this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's a, it's understandable that you try to do that. Um, yes. Uh, I remember, um, uh, my, uh, uh somebody who I'm friends with, uh, the Arctic Monkeys, you know, they sing in their a local accent and they were yeah. kind of they were they were really encouraged by uh, this friend of mine, John Cooper Clark, who's a poet from Manchester with a very strong accent. And they they realized that actually it's OK to be, you know, uh, and, it, and it is really inspiring, you know, to realize, yes, I can be from who I am and not have to hide it and still do my thing, you know, and make a contribution
0: and what I've heard with accents as well is the audience will very quickly pick up on your accent but they'll also very quickly then tune into it and almost it doesn't become a problem it just yes. they they just hear hear the content not necessarily the exactly. accent exactly exactly yeah so um we've talked a bit about you know some of the some of the struggles um i think one thing i'd like to just touch on now we have talked about as well baby steps as one of the mechanisms to overcome this what other mechanisms are there for people to overcome their fear of public speaking
1: uh so the the biggest thing is your is your nervous system mastering your nervous system so i've got a very very basic diagram here so you've got that green zone the social engagement is Uh where you want to be ideally when you're speaking yeah most of the time like the nervous system goes into that fight flight mode up there the, the orangey red or even the shutdown Mm -hmm. when you're public speaking. So the trick is to keep your nervous system in that that safe zone. Because when you're in fight-flight mode, you'll start to be shaky. You might look really like you start to sweat, you start to shake. Your prefrontal cortex doesn't get enough blood because your body, when it gets into fight-flight mode, people don't really understand what this means. But basically your nervous system via a process of neuroception has decided that you are not safe and that you may get physically attacked yeah. it's getting ready for a physical attack yeah so it, all the blood goes to your heart your lungs your liver in case you're getting attacked and you're losing blood this is what your body does so the trick is to teach your body actually you don't need to activate freakout mode there's no no need i'm not going to get attacked physically because what happens is as soon as you're you go into that fight flight mode you won't be able to handle any questions that come at you your your mind might go blank i mean i've treated various clients whose mind have gone blank on stage and then that's begin that's the beginning of their phobia so the real the trick is to really make friends with your nervous system and learn how to regulate your nervous system so that's like a key part of what I do with people a I treat those sensitizing events and treat the causes where you know the brain connections of where the brain has learned that this is not safe yeah and then also teach people how to calm and regulate their own nervous system so you know a client of mine we worked together a few sessions. she went from like nervous in meetings to being ready to go on b b c like she works yeah, like in that. in mm-hmm. an investment firm and they she needed to go on b b c to talk about the latest figures yeah um and so i like I taught her a technique that to help her like deal with any nerves that come up, however prepared you are you going on the b b c live or c n b c you're gonna be a little bit nervous so tricks to like calm that those nervous system that nervous system response down enough so you can get through it Mm -hmm. those are really that those are the key things so mindset isn't going to help you there at all you need to speak directly to that nervous system Great. so that's basically the key
0: yeah 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 I, I love that so um so we've talked about the I guess the challenge my journey a little bit about your journey and your clients as well we've talked about some of the coping mechanisms Um, I guess one thing I just want to just bring up, which you might be able to have some insight into as well, is that I believe that I've overcome my fear of public speaking because of the fact that I can now stand up and speak in front of an audience, whether that's virtually or in person. And and I think that's because it's still quite a controlled environment in that. I'm the speaker eyes on me audience be quiet and listen and not many things can really go wrong I'm not going to get a heckler in the kinds of environments that I speak Mm -hmm. no one's going to throw anything at me so it's still quite controlled whereas when I'm at a social gathering there's 20 30 people around me and conversations happening anything could happen at any time I still haven't got comfortable there yet yes is that because of that lack of control do you think
1: uh, yes I think uh, that yes it's a really good question and, and especially hopefully as we're coming out of COVID like mm. everyone is out of practice yeah uh, I've done various press articles about this as well so I talk I talk if I call it peopling right mm-hmm. so we're all learning how to get back into peopling so a mm-hmm. lot of my clients will come to me and say you know for my work I have to sort of like uh, go to social events with like Kind net worth clients I have to you know um and and it's like and it's about reacting and I'd always describe it like um two puppies when they're learning how to play together so they're like their nervous system sort of flips between snap snap bite bite ow ow that hurt have I bitten too hard oh I'm a little bit scared oh I'm having fun and it's that, that those nervous system states of like reacting to other people in the moment is something that that you need to sort of practice in a way that's safe. Uh-huh. Uh, so because, you know, some people you're going to be in an event and people are going to be drunk or they just can be pardon my French assholes. Uh-huh. And then it's like, how do you handle it without afterwards having this this feeling of have you heard this expressions French one? esprit d'escalier the spirit of the staircase so as you're leaving the event afterwards you think oh my god I should have said this I should not have said that what was I thinking and then you sort of beat yourself up so it's about there are obviously lots of techniques that you can learn about how to get away from people politely and how to stand your ground and how there are certainly as women Like we, you know, imagine somebody coming up and saying something really, really sexist. Mm. Like, and there is a moment what happens, especially where somebody is like being really abusive or obnoxious, who has a higher status. That often we, the recipient will go, did he really just say that and and we go into this nervous system state called appeasement or freeze where we either sort of pretend it hasn't happened or like try and laugh it off or go ha ha, ha, ha or like you know <laughs> yeah. instead of saying did you really just suggest that if i want to get investment i need to flirt more
0: mm. you know or did yeah. you
1: really suggest if i sleep with you i'll get a promotion
0: this is what you and should have said are, yeah. there
1: are ways where you can like turn the question back on them Mm because in those moments you're all the attention is on you and you're just thinking did he really just say that and also if they're a higher status person than you if you say the wrong thing they can make your life hell Mm -hmm. so this is like that this appeasement thing is a key part to like socializing so um and it is about like after which where you think okay i think i handled that well yes, that guy was a dick, but I handled it okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I called it out without the whole thing escalating or whatever it might be. Or, you know, because ever bear in mind, everyone's out of practice. Some people are going to be drunk. Some people are going to be not very nice. And mm. it's like, how do you, how do you conduct yourself in that way so practice is definitely key and also give yourself a little bit of a break everyone's out of practice
0: yeah that's really useful I'll get back to this point on practice so I'll ask another question on that but I think for me let's think about um in these social settings we've we've moved on from public speaking now we're talking about social settings and introversion so you know at an event 20-30 people I want to say x and I want to get in I want to ask this question I want to be funny I want to tell my story yeah yeah and but I'm three hours in and I haven't opened my mouth yet you know <laughs> what what's happening there and, and 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 what can people do about that
1: what's happening is you need to stay in the corner looking at your phone yeah till it's
0: over <laughs> yes exactly that feels, pretend, that feels good to me
1: <laughs> pretend it's like not happening I think for um there's a brilliant uh, networking uh, expert called Will Kintish who has a lot of uh, uh, sort of tips on this. I think for some people, we have too many high expectations of ourselves. We got some people have got this idea that I need to shake hands with everyone in the room, give everyone my business card, have everyone think I'm amazing instead of giving yourself a target and saying okay I'm gonna have three conversations with interesting people and yeah. that's it instead yeah. of like overwhelming yourself do three aim for three and then you can leave if you want I love
0: that. you know
1: yeah. I think that's uh especially as you're building your confidence and like obviously try and be interested in people but if they if they honestly will talk about themselves and never ask you about you just make a move you know
0: yeah. I think what I've heard there is baby steps again, you know, yes. go, go, go and speak to one person. then next time go and speak to two people, yeah, yeah. Time, three people. And and I guess you're just teaching that nervous system, that, that brain, that fight or flight response that you're not actually going to get hurt here. And yes. It's okay. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And like, and again, like that sort of inner critic sort of try and handle that inner critic, that mm-hmm. spirit of the staircase thing yeah. that you, you don't go, Oh, there you go again. You're such a loser. You're totally messed up. You're never going to get good at this. Your business is going to tank. You're such a loser. Mm-hmm. You know, like because that's what the inner critic can start to do, especially Absolutely. when we are, you know, not super social, socially confident. Yeah. So, yes.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. Are, are there any final points or tips or anything else you'd like to say before we get into that last question?
1: Uh, I've got a good tip for people. If you're um, about to to speak at an event and you're still a little bit nervous, try this. It genuinely, work, genuinely works. If you stand there, and two tips. One is you move your neck and scan the environment.
0: Mm-hmm. You're
1: literally sending calming signals to that really old reptilian part of the brain that there aren't any predators. Yes. Number two, if you smile and make eye contact with a few people, ideally if you can introduce yourself to a few people in the audience Mm -hmm. that will settle your nervous system and again it will get your nervous system into that social engagement uh, where you you focus on other people rather than your own anxiety it genuinely helps and your audience will love you for it because you've actually made the effort to say it to get to know them a little bit too Yeah. yeah yeah
0: I, I, I love that. Yeah, great, great advice, great tips. And there's been loads of great advice throughout this whole conversation. And so, Olivia, I just want to ask one last question. And that is, if anybody would like to reach out to you, get in touch, or if they want maybe some help with you as, as a coach or therapist, um, how do people connect with you online?
1: Uh, so yeah follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me on LinkedIn as my biggest platform I've got about 11,500 connections on there so far Uh, you can also email me at olivia at harleystreetcoach.com my website is harleystreetcoach.com and what the way I tend to work with people is we'll have an initial 15 minute conversation just to make sure that I think you're, you know, I'll be able to help you and you're the right kind of fit. Uh, And then we'll have an initial assessment session uh, and that can be done either face to face in Harley Street or online. And then we can kind of make an action plan and try and work out how much support you're likely to need for your particular mission. Because I mean, you know, whether it's a charity or your business or your corporate, like I, I help people with all those things
0: brilliant thank you so much olivia and again just thank you so much for coming along having this conversation and sharing such great value with our audience
1: thanks it's been a blast thank you